senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 39, and we actually have a guest. We do. Don't get excited. It's nobody you ever fucking heard of, but... Are you telling me not to get excited? I'm excited. We have a guest. But, uh, I was talking to the listener. Yeah, the listener in the abstract. Oh. In, in the concrete, we have one fucking listener, I think. <laughs> That's not true. I looked yeah. at the numbers. I know, but... Hi, Mom. So... <laughs> So yes, uh, we have a, a guest who is a longtime contributor to Crisis on Infinite Midlives when we were trying like hell to be a news site without realizing you can't be a news site with only two people when you don't know anybody in the comics industry. So, uh, and this is his real name, I swear to God. It's uh, Lance Mannion. More than a man, I'm a Mannion. <laughs> yeah, all right, get, get that mic closer to... Eat the mic. <laughs> hold is this, it. And, is this good? Hold yes. it and speak into just, it like just, like you're working a dick. Let, <laughs> just let the let the windscreen like just rest on your chin like yeah, like just, a scrot. Just, just gently. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. We're good. Not that not that gently. <laughs> so so yes, Lance has been one of our our longtime contributors, and we actually this is sort of a retread of a podcast we tried to do what like two <laughs> two and a half fucking years ago. <laughs> And when I say podcast, massive fucking drinking session. Drunken fucking abortion, I think is yeah. what you want to say. It was, I don't even think we planned it. I think you happened to just be here. We we had about 10 beers. So I got a good idea. Why don't we do a podcast? We'll talk about Doctor Who. Because, because Amanda because reasons. and Lance have been watching Doctor Who for a long time. And I don't know why I should even like it. And at the time, we had... Only two microphones. Yes. One set of headphones. No plan whatsoever. Our blood alcohol content was higher than our number of pieces of equipment in the place. So, to give Lance credit, he tried like hell. He'd, he'd try to speak and, wait, let me hand my microphone back. And it was just a... It was a clusterfuck. It was... It was. It was an abortion. It was Fubar. A, it was Fubar. It was a terrible... Feel free to chime in, Lance. So you well, and it wasn't I'm because just, of you. It's because because of of user error on our end. I'm, yeah. I'm just disappointed. The planet of the short bus Daleks never saw the light. <laughs> <laughs> that was a glorious script. It That's, was. We should have sat down to. Well, you guys could have written it because I've been like, are there stormtroopers in this? Where are the Vulcans? But so so yeah. Th- this time we actually have semi reasonable equipment. We have, we have three mics. That's semi-reasonable. <laughs> I mean, we have two two headsets, but three three yeah. mics. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're getting there, but so yeah, it's and it seemed like a good time to have Lance back because he had a case of beer in the car and I was out. So, but You're uh, welcome. hey, no, thank you. But <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, are we mid-season on Doctor Who at this point? Toward the end of the season, we are up through episode nine. Out of a scheduled they, sum, because they're <laughs> uh, up through twelve. Oh yeah, we're about three quarters of the way through this season. Okay, before it goes to the the Christmas episode eventually. So yeah, we did an episode about the new Doctor um, right after the first episode. Yes, with a, with a couple of other 
uh, of our contributors, yes. Trebuchet and Pixie Sticks. Yes. I love how everybody on this show is just so thrilled to be fucking associated with it. They just chuck their real name out there. <laughs> that silence and, says everything. <laughs> this is an awful lot like when you were writing for the website. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I just I just don't want it to affect my career in pornography. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're never going to have a career in pornography if you don't get that thing closer to your fucking lips and treat it like you mean it. Okay, <laughs> is this better? Actually, that's better, yeah. Okay, we're going to stick with, with that. that. So, don't drool on the fucking thing. <laughs> thing cost I'll me like, do what I want. Thing cost me like eight bucks. That's, that's a fine quality microphone. Don't drool on it. That might work for you in porn, but this is not niche porn, okay? <laughs> right. Don't spit on it and work the fucking water. <laughs> But, but yeah, that show was very much, you know, I'm a relatively new watcher to Doctor Who. Uh, I started, and we've talked about it on shows before, I, I started when Amanda wanted to start uh, getting it off the internet before it started airing here in the United States when yes. Christopher Eccleston was, so that was my first Doctor. I don't have any background in the long-term history of Doctor Who so uh, all I can address with this new guy is, oh, I like him. I, I like Doctor Who's. I like him being a dick. I like Dick Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> by the by, which you mean um, Capaldi, right? You're not just hearkening back to Eccleston, who was also somewhat dick-like. I was talking about Eccleston's dick, as a matter of fact. <laughs> just <laughs> and but, somewhere he went, ding. Somebody's talking <laughs> about me. <laughs> but uh, so, but yeah, you guys have been watching for a long time. The, Lance, we how long have you been you've been watching Doctor Who? Uh, I've been watching it since I was a little kid in uh, England, actually. <laughs> it's true. So the early seventies. <laughs> yeah, I was born there. Is this true? Yes. Uh, get the fuck out of my house, you <laughs> limey sack of shit! You people know what you did. That's why he was okay with drinking the beer when it was warm when he got here. <laughs> Hang on, something's shifting. <laughs> That's okay, just come into our home and break things. Yeah, don't touch my stuff. <laughs> you just keep that thing close to your mouth. Just for future reference, when you put your hand up there, the cat also puts its ass there. So. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> it's a lovely home you have here. <laughs> I had no idea. How long were you in England? What? Uh, like five or six years. Really? Yeah, had an accent and everything. I'm told it was adorable. I was not actually there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, what years would this be? Uh, 71 to uh, 76. Okay. Yeah. So, which doctor was that? Probably Pertwee going into Baker, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> actually, I'm curious about this. Is English TV as shit as it <laughs> appears to be? <laughs> And no, here's what I'm saying. You know, by the late '70s, I had cable TV and like 30 bitchin' channels. I mean, most of them were like U, uh, UHF stations from like New York and Providence and shit. But I had a lot of TV. Was there really only like BBC One, Two, and like Nine? No, BBC One and Two, and and yeah, if you were lucky, you could catch the Welsh quarterfinals for cheese making and <laughs> sheep buggery. Who won that one? Because <laughs> I've got all the cards, the trading cards, but I don't have the one for 1976. It was pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, when was Doctor Who even on? Was it like a Saturday morning show? This is fascinating to me. I, <laughs> Clearly. No, I've got a major digression going on. It was probably on. on at some fascinating time, too, like 7.10, because none of their shows yeah. start like at the hour. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, It was around early evening. It was supposed to be educational. 
Yeah, clearly. And, and believe me, Leela running around in a leather bikini was educational. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, you learned a great deal. <laughs> That's why they put her in a turtleneck for a horror of Fang Rock. <laughs> Pay attention to the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> It's I, educational. You mean, you mean the giant glowing sperm Whatever. that chased them around the lighthouse? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was also educational. It was Rutan. <laughs> you know, the spoiler alert. Sworn enemy some, of the Santarans. Uh, spoiler alerts for some of us who haven't watched this. <laughs> I tried to get you to watch it on YouTube. You fell asleep. I did. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> now, did Actually, you, no, that was the talons of Wang Chung you fell asleep to. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Well, his talons were flaccid and not satisfying. <laughs> They had a but, giant rat. Come on. But, so, I mean, was that your entire childhood up until that point you spent there? Yeah. We lived there. My father was stationed there. So did you have like Star Trek reruns or did, did you have anything in your life that would lead you to understand you're watching low budget crap? No, so- it scared the crap out of me. I was terrified of the damn Daleks. Okay. But uh, was there American reruns? Uh, I could probably do an entire... Yeah, why couldn't you live there longer? Did your house have stairs? I'm trying to understand the Dalek scared thing. No, it didn't have didn't have stairs. We had sheep nearby. Okay. Which was pretty good. So right. once I figured out Daleks couldn't go upstairs, I was good. So <laughs> Leela in a fur bikini and sheep. Your childhood was wrong <laughs> in leather. a lot of levels. Wasn't leather it? bikini. Yeah, Did leather bikini. Fur? Yeah. I was thinking fur burger. I don't know. <laughs> or or the furminator or whatever the villain was from Versifer. Uh, Versifer. Kissy fur. Shut up. <laughs> From uh, Constantine. We'll yes. talk about that in a while. But Fur daddy. So, for d- don't look at me and say that. It makes <laughs> you feel icky. <laughs> Jim is just stroking that microphone. Work it, babe. I'm sorry, I'm getting, Lance. getting blisters on my lips here. <laughs> you are allowed to move it away, away from your lips when you're not actively No, you speaking. yelled at me. Look, here's the picture. Lance is reclining on a leather couch. <laughs> like one ge- of our French girls. As a gentleman of leisure, <laughs> like a French girl, with a microphone jammed into his solar plexus, resting against his lips like like he's waiting for someone to say, okay, boy, suck it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a sight to be old. I'm trying. <laughs> and, you're succeeding. And because you're not moving the mic even remotely away... You you sound like a, a three pack a day man. <laughs> Ask me what I'm wearing. Let's get the goddamn illusion complete. What are you wearing? I'm wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a Christian man, eh? <laughs> Would you two like to be alone? And a, and a, no, and a leather cod piece. Don't fucking leave me alone with him. And his cod piece. <laughs> Talking about leather cod pieces and bikinis and sheep. Daleks. Can you dial Daleks? nine and one and just wait for him to make a move? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I am a beautiful butterfly. You sure are. <laughs> you limey prick. <laughs> You're never gonna hear the end of that now. <laughs> so when you, all right, well, here's a here's a thought. Yeah, take so control of this because I'm when lost. When you it. eventually came back to the states and were reacquainted with with Doctor Who. And could then see it in context with American programming. How did it make you feel? Well, you got to bear in mind that the American programming at the time was first-run Star Trek. I mean, there was no <laughs> shortage of aliens in rubber suits. This is true. This is true. I'm just thinking, though, of the relative production values of, say, the Ark in Space versus any Star Trek episode. 
well, you know, <laughs> look at look at the the Gorn or the Zorn or whatever the hell that thing that Captain Kirk. The Gorn, down. show some fucking respect <laughs> while you're in my country. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really see him as being a quantum leap, technologically <laughs> speaking. <laughs> I wonder if the film quality helped to make it seem because once they got into like the the color episodes and and we're filming on video <laughs> it it just made the production values stand out that much more poorly i think versus the film that they shot star trek on it somehow softened the impact of the shit i know um, just <laughs> the shit it's, that, that's why i feel like an upstanding citizen while watching deep throat but just a <laughs> filthy animal when i'm watching anything from the 80s <laughs> well yeah you know cuz debbie does dallas there was there was some film there. There was there was some art. Uh, there was Dallas. <laughs> Dallas was done. <laughs> she sure was. Dallas was. They raised so, some money for that charity. What are we talking about? I, I have no <laughs> idea. But all right, Jim. Seriously, move the mic away from your mouth <laughs> while you are not speaking because you sound like this pornography talk is really giving you half a stock. The sound quality on this piece of shit is not that great to begin with. You said it was too far away. A, now you're saying it's too close. I'm just saying what I'm getting is. And the BBC would like to tape that for an upcoming episode. Doing that. Was she a great big fat person? Just I hate you. <laughs> You show a little initiative, for God's sake. I don't have headphones. <laughs> this is true. We didn't give him headphones. This is true. <laughs> um, this is just making me think of that whole experiment with when they put Let It Go into Google Translate and translated it into something else and then translated it back into what was supposedly English and it came back, just give up. <laughs> <laughs> give up. Give up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to be fair on production values from the 70s, where I grew up, we had at 4 o'clock was Star Trek, but at 5 o'clock was Space 1999. And special wow. effects-wise, comparatively, Space <laughs> 1999 was the tits. <laughs> I, I can watch Space 1999, and I've tried re-watching some of them, and it does not hold up. But, yeah, it's even pre-Star Wars, yeah, at least there was Space 1999 and Moonbase Alpha and the Eagle One. So by the early 80s, when Doctor Who made it to PBS, I would flip it on and be... No, this is, uh, is this a joke? Is this Monty Python? I I didn't have quite the same visceral dislike of of, of that. I, I enjoyed it. I, um, I told the story before. My next door neighbor would come over to babysit us occasionally, and he used to like to watch it. So my sister and I would request it. <laughs> Tell me about the babysitter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not gonna he was about six foot two, and he played soccer. His hair was kind of curly. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go sleep in the car anyway. So yes, um, the baby, the baby <laughs> took your innocence. As far as British science fiction programming, yes. Okay. <laughs> but in any event, um, no, we we liked it because it was something. We, we had like three channels: PBS, all right, four channels, I guess. PBS, ABC, NBC, and sometimes CBS if we could get the antenna to pull it in. So we didn't have a lot of programming options. So what I'm hearing is to be a Doctor Who fan before 2005, <laughs> you had to have literally no other option. 
Well, it was it was you know on when we would be watching dinner around seven o'clock. So it was either like Wheel of Fortune, Doctor Who, or PM Magazine, or the Cheese Fucking Finals, or whatever was going on <laughs> over in England. No, no, the Cheese Fucking Final was on uh, ITV. Okay. <laughs> And it was it was programming my sister and I could agree upon. So I'm I'm guessing also the the lack of squabbling helped prolong its life in our household. Okay. All right. So although Katie and I split on uh, uh, Tom Baker versus Peter Davison. That was Davison after Tom yeah. Baker. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I am a firmly a Tom Baker person. Peter well, Davison was the shit. You can get out of my house right now. <laughs> As was Nissa. Well, it's because you like Nissa. <laughs> yeah, well. Who the fuck is Nissa? One of the companions. She had like foofy arms. <laughs> what the she fuck did. is a foofy arm? <laughs> <laughs> she wore like this velvet. Well, she was from like, Trocken, so you know, Outfit <laughs> with like puffy sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Trocken? That's the. You guys are just fucking from. with me, aren't you? <laughs> no, she was the the daughter of the keeper of Trocken, who was then possessed by the master. Master, yeah. All right, so. Why don't we talk about modern Doctor Who since... But she was no ace. In my world, it goes Leela, then ace, because ace blew shit up. Nah, then there was Romana, too. Eh. Well, that's that's good, though. It speaks to, to like liking intellectual ladies, and that's that's a nice characteristic. I regenerated a number, t- number <laughs> of times with Romana, too. Now, we, that's, that was the one that was originally Astra, right? Yes, yes, yeah, it was. So, and, and that actually, Tom Baker got some of that. They Are we talking about the sheep again? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're, what, nine episodes? And by the way, in uh, normally we tape this on Sunday. We're taping this on Saturday night. So we, we can't address this week's Doctor Who. So this is up until last week's, which is what, Flatliners? Flatline. And that was episode nine? Episode nine. Okay. So you guys, as longtime Doctor Who fans, how are you feeling about this season how's the doctor working for you how's clara working for you the relationship between two of them again i rarely watch this show sober (laughs) and by rarely i mean i have never watched this show sober so it it crawls up my ass and lays eggs it really pisses me off okay I, i like capaldi i like the new doctor but each episode seems to be like, you know, hey, we got we to gotta sit here and talk about our feelings. And, oh, there's a giant spider over there in the corner, but let's talk <laughs> about our feelings. Okay. He's I don't want to talk about feelings. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't need that shit. I Give feel, me giant spiders. I feel like a lot of this season is more about Clara's arc and less about the doctor's arc. Yeah, and is the title of the show Clara Oswald? No, and, and in fact, they go so far in Flatline, she gets to be the pretend doctor for a bunch of it. It's like you're you're a twenty something. Shouldn't you have already self actualized or some shit? <laughs> which which is cute, and I and I like that. But yeah, you know, when we have to have lengthy you know digressions about you know what does it mean to be the doctor and what does it mean to be Clara and you know oh I got a boyfriend and you know is she being honest with her boyfriend and it's like no I don't I don't watch Grey's Anatomy. I don't need it in my Doctor Who. Well, and I also feel like they, they're doing it to give the little girls who were there for Matt Smith a reason to stick around because they'll identify with Clara. Um, and if they don't focus on Clara and her feelings and her boyfriend, then those little girls aren't going to stick around and give Moffat his fat American numbers that allow him to continue to be the showrunner. 
Yeah, I'm not buying it. No? <laughs> it sucks. It's wrong. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying it's it's not wrong or bad. I'm saying I feel like that's it. I feel like it's a calculated cynical ploy on the writer's end to keep the young dem- demographic that would otherwise be watching Vampire Diaries or some shit. Well, <clears throat> as as somebody who is not as versed in Doctor Who beyond the more recent ones, is there any validity to the idea of yeah, it's showing what it means to be the doctor and exploring it with this kind of relationship. Because I did get a certain amount of that, uh, a certain amount out of that episode, seeing somebody try to act that way. Because realistically, from the flow of doctors that we've had so far, Capaldi is so different in personality and in looks. That does it make sense to use that relationship to explain what the doctor is for somebody who didn't see? Baker turned into what's his face? Who was the tits? Who was the tits? Lance Davison. Davison was the tits. So, actually, technically, that was Perry. If you really want to get into it, but ah, <laughs> what's a Perry? <laughs> anyway, it's I got a certain amount out of it because it it is such a a a large transformation. So is the is the difference between what I got from it and what you guys got from it is just you've been seeing it for all these years and. You understand these wild differences? Is this something that a well, particular thing that you've seen before? So it's, oh, yeah, when this doctor turned to this doctor, it was made clear to me, so I don't need this shit now. Is that the problem? No, this is this is as if, you know, you've been watching Star Trek for, you know, three seasons, and then in the fourth season, Captain Kirk starts wondering, you know, what does it mean that I sleep with all the alien girls? You know, maybe I should look for a deeper meaning in my life and my relationships, and maybe we should seek some counseling. Maybe I'm a sex addict. No, you want to see <laughs> Captain Kirk blow shit up, bone an alien girl, and go home. And that's that's what I feel like I'm getting here. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it feels like because the showrunners have realized that an actual flat-on relationship between Capaldi and Clara might come off as creepy. <laughs> Bit, yeah. Um, you know, they're they're looking for other ways to explore Clara being someone who is in a relationship and frustrated and not sure what to do next and making poor choices and and Capaldi's trying to figure out it, the best way to guide her without telling her what to do in some sort of half-assed Giles Buffy season 7 kind or 6 kind of way, <laughs> honestly. Um it, it, honest, I, I was watching which one was it? It was Kill the Moon. It's like, all right, <laughs> go ahead. You're gonna have to solve this for yourself. It was like it was like once more with feeling. Nope, it's Tuesday. You gotta go get done on your own. No preface, <laughs> no conversation. <laughs> do I think you need to stand up for yourself and do your own shit? Yes. Am I gonna tell you this? No, because otherwise we'd have to have a conversation. <laughs> and, and Kill the Moon, really. That that one annoyed me for a whole host of reasons. And I'm I'm willing to cut Doctor Who a lot of slack. I mean, I, I know this isn't hard sci-fi, but okay, the moon hatches, and then six seconds later, there's a new moon again. Yeah. How long does it take to lay an egg? I- Why is everyone <laughs> looking at me with this question? <laughs> Come on, Rob. <laughs> that egg was asking for it. It was looking right at me. <laughs> you weren't using lay as that kind of verb, were you? Um... Uh, wasn't i could be <laughs> i'm just saying we should go out for breakfast tomorrow <laughs> i don't know maybe, maybe that interstellar space creature was a 30 second man i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, look and they very clearly went out of the way to no let's not even try to do a special effect to show how a beast this size can shit a moon. <laughs> 
it's bigger than itself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Lord knows I've felt like I've had that experience. Yeah. <laughs> but it's never been literally true. Well, it's all that shitty English food, you limey sack of shit. Oh, fuck you. A proper fried English breakfast will have you shitting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's got beans. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I retract what I just said. You're still filthy. But... <laughs> But so so in that episode also it it wasn't even worth they finally make a decision and then he shows up, you know, Deus ex doctor, here I'll save you now. Like, like you have agency. Yay. Oh no, wait, you don't have agency. Like which is it? Yeah, that that one kind of bugged me. It's you know, you're gonna nuke or not, and okay, I can fix everything. But clearly he had to have known that it, the whole thing, oh, this is an area of time, I don't know what happened. Well, you've been to Earth in the future, you know there's some kind of moon. You know, Clara not... says that to him. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you know it's not a filthy nuclear wasteland. I I didn't have as much of a, a problem with it because I kind of like the Doctor as a dick. I didn't see it, I, I didn't take it as, oh, this is the Doctor trying to educate Clara. I saw it as a dick move. I'm okay with a dick move. <laughs> He had several dick moves earlier. Like, he told the little girl she wasn't special. Well, she's not. (laughs) Well, not helmet special. I mean... I mean, the biggest problem I had with the episode... episode. (laughs) Me talk good. Me a podcast. But (laughs) the biggest problem I had with the episode was it was fucking alien on the moon. Yeah. It was kind of Marty Knox and derivative. Yeah. It's... it's What am I going to rip off for this episode? Ah, alien. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I ripped off your joke. That's okay. <laughs> See what I did there? That's all right. As long as somebody got to it. So it's it's the relationships that that you've got the the biggest problem with. I mean, it it's one of those things that it's going to be over by. Isn't she being replaced at the the Christmas special? She's supposed to be leaving at the Christmas special. So, thank God. <laughs> I mean, it, is the problem with clara that you have because i i don't like her as much as i liked amy pond or donna at least this year she seems to be doing stuff beyond just sort of following the doctor around and being yeah the the deus ex of i was there for all the doctors to sort of try to give her meaning gravity and weight (laughs) yeah i mean i I watched the show for you know fun you know distracting sci-fi not for you know we need a a chekhov-esque exploration of of feeling and motivation and and otherwise it's you know give me give me some more rubber suited monsters you know some heaving bosoms would be nice but not strictly (laughs) necessary and yeah and let's let's take it there i mean that's the rest of it is just you know i think the show trying to take itself more seriously than it ought yeah i i I stand by they're spending more time developing clara to to keep the younger demographic interested they've had plenty of other storylines where the doctor doesn't know who he is and is trying to figure out who he is the hell they did it at the very beginning of matt smith's arc you know where he's like deciding that fish fingers and custard are a thing and that fezzes are cool god help us <laughs> and, and bow ties and yeah well i can live with bow ties out in brown wears bow ties he's all right you will see me dead before you see me in a fucking i'm bow not tie. saying you have to wear one i'm just saying i'm willing i'm willing to give some some quarter you can't ties. see it but i'm wearing one right now <laughs> I have to go again. Um, <laughs> but there's no sheep here. Keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> but it's it seems to be more about it's it's making me cringe because it's reminding me of, you know what? I did a lot of stupid shit in my 20s. 
Uh, I don't need to relive my twenties watching Clara do some of the same stupid shit. Yeah, but when it <laughs> Just, comes when it comes to the companion doing stupid shit, nobody's got the market cornered like Amy Pond, who was going to chuck her wedding to try and bone the doctor, and didn't and come. If I had been the doctor, she'd have been walking funny the next day. <laughs> with, with which penis? <laughs> I've always assumed the doctor has two. But it's it's just like uh, should I date this guy? Should I not date this guy? Should I should I tell a a truth to this guy? Should I tell an untruth to this guy? Should I? This is all about me and what I want to do, and and I have a job that I only take semi seriously because I'm off doing other things. And yeah, being in your twenties is about that. I want to know about the doctor. Uh, this tell me more about what's going on with the doctor. Yeah, I mean the the biggest doctor-centric moment that I remember from this season is when I forget the episode when they flashed back and showed that once upon a time he was a scared little kid yeah I kind of like that as character development at least that was an okay episode actually but we don't even know if that was the doctor I thought it was reasonably implied it was implied but we don't know yeah it was a time lord of some sort it was implied that much yes yeah yeah, you're right. They decided to cut away to show. It'd be funny if it was if it was the master. <laughs> they decided to cut away to show the childhood fears of Filthy Manny, the Time Lord who tried but couldn't. <laughs> Write that one down. That filthy Manny, the Time Lord who tried but couldn't. <laughs> That's a possible title for this episode. Okay. Um. I the, all right, one moment I did like on Mummy on the Orient Express was the callback to Jelly Babies. Just, just putting that out there and the callback to uh the empty child yes are you my mommy <laughs> very nice oh i completely missed that one yeah he says that <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah the jelly babies one that that went totally over my head i'm like yeah give him a cigarette what the fuck is in that cigarette case somebody give me a cigarette for god's sake i can't take it anymore um i'm trying to think of, of some other real doctor centric I, I think amanda you've got a point this really has been at least as much about Clara as the doctor. Well, even in the like the inaugural episode of the season where the doctor's trying to get his shit together and we expect him to be crazy and not have his head together right after regeneration. It's all right, he's running around. I expect that. And then meanwhile, you know, Clara's having her I don't know if I like this guy mm, with Madame Vastra going, Well, if you don't like the doctor and can't accept him, we don't accept you and get your shit together. Like why yeah. does this have to be about Clara right now? This should be about the doctor. <laughs> yeah, and the doctor's motivations regarding Clara have not been really clear to me. Um, I mean, this doctor comes across as 90% more a dick than any that I've seen. Uh, not having seen the older ones, I've heard... Baker Tom... could be kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so per- Pertwee and Hartnell both could be majorly dickish. Yeah. But certainly... At least since Eccleston, and Eccleston, he only had his odd moment of, yeah, this is a guy who you wouldn't really want to hang around with. But, uh, yeah, he keeps going back and forth between, I want Claire around, I don't want Claire around, I want to protect her, I want her to make up her own mind. Yeah, I'm I'm having trouble understanding any of his motivations for keeping this person around. Yeah, He's got half a companion with the, what's-her-face, the non-special child. <laughs> the non-special child. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget that character's name. Courtney. It's, okay. Yeah, she threw up in the TARDIS, didn't she? She did. Yeah, that's uh That's a that's a rookie move. Yeah. 
I've thrown up in every room in this house. It doesn't make me a <laughs> pussy. It makes me an alcoholic. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm I'm having trouble. It's not been made clear to me why Clara is special enough for him to keep just going back, and particularly when he treats her so poorly in some of these things. So I, yeah, I because I think again they're they're spending so much time on Clara for for the the younger folks in the audience that they're not giving enough time to the doctor to fully flesh that out. I mean, we've had we've had doctor companion relationships where it has been more fully fleshed out. Um Tennant and Donna Noble. You know, that's that's where I think both characters got equal development. Um yeah, I Eccleston can see that. and Rose. Actually Eccleston and most of his companions. <laughs> Eccleston only had the one. Well, no, because Captain Jack came in near near the end of, of that run. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I miss Captain Jack. Captain Jack had style. He did. And he would bone anything that moved. He would. <laughs> he and would. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Now, I, is it possible the decision was made, because this doctor really does not seem very human. I mean, it, he's particularly crotchety he walks away from certain things he has left people in danger is it possible the focus is on clara is just okay we need a certain human element as we bring this doctor along and hopefully get him to a point where he is at least semi as beloved as Tennant and smith were and we'll get to a tipping point and with the next companion it's more of an equal relationship well, that would just seem like shitty storytelling on their end. I mean, you, if he's supposed to be that alien, you've got to think through his motivations and come up with some reasons, and you, you need to to show more than tell through what the other characters are saying. A character can say until they're blue in the face, you're being an asshole, but until I <laughs> see more than that, I mean, I'm not getting a sense of, of why the character is behaving in a way that the other person perceives as being an asshole other than that person's opinion. Yeah, and I'm sort of going on faith we'll get it eventually. There will be some final, and it'll drive you fucking nuts, Lance. <laughs> some <laughs> final heartfelt, oh, you know, this, <laughs> this is why I'm behaving this way. Well, and it'll be just in time for her to fuck off. It, it also feels more, more like a, a knee-jerk to um, John Hurt's statement to the younger, at least looking doctors, that they're going around behaving like little children and you know the time is you should you should be growing up okay well you you can still you know have a character who's now a more grown up behaving doctor who has shit to do and character development beyond coming off as the standoffish grown up to the little girl child who can't get her shit together in my opinion yeah that's <laughs> true but to be fair uh whoever's playing Kara, uh clara i forget the actress's name has a Jenna contract Louise coleman yeah well she's got a contract so she's yeah you got to do something with her i guess well you can do something with her but it doesn't have to be the standoffish paternal thing it <laughs> yeah and uh, that comes to the decision to characterize the doctor in this way i suppose yeah i i <laughs> See, you're you're making me like this season less because of this. It's it's pissing me off. I mean, I'm I'm close to you know not watching. You know, I, I'm usually there. You know, the moment it airs, the moment I can get it, I'm watching it. Now it's you know three four days later. 
but to be fair, when Smith first came in and all that, ooh, I want to fuck the doctor shenanigans was going on with Amy Pond, did that bother you in the same way? That was just as much. No, he wanted to fuck Amy Pond. Yeah, so I, was, he, he I was, was definitely there. Well, that goes a long way with watching anything. <laughs> Believe me, I, I'm not watching the stuff I find on the internet for the plot and character development. Whereas you heard Myria, I hated it. I hated that <laughs> whole run. I This is irritating me and... Can we get back to, to doing adventures instead of forcing sexual tension? It was irritated the fuck out of me. And could could we please draw some eyebrows on this motherfucker? Something. <laughs> <laughs> All the hair was with a second penis. I don't know, but <laughs> This this is a good question. I mean, do Gallifreyans have the same sorts of junk as, as humans? Uh, do, yeah, and, and this is I'm my I'm sure fault. there's some slash fix somewhere, dude. <laughs> This is my fault. But we it's have, not canon. <laughs> we have descended to the level of Brody from Mallrats, and I apologize. I, I shouldn't have done this. It could be I, like the aliens in Alien Nation where they have a, a like a, a slit or an appendage at the armpit. They do? Yeah. I never saw that. Well, I didn't either. They just talked about it in the movie. That's the origin well, of the old-fashioned... the movie, then... They just talked about no, it. No, they didn't show you the actual... I mean, maybe when they were hugging, but I couldn't hole. see anything. <laughs> That's where we got the old-fashioned Tuscaloosa armpit gank. <laughs> Tuscaloosa armpit. That's just it. Yeah, I mean, all right, write that one down. The, the plot gets in the way of, of the show. And, and, you know, I mean, just like when you watch porn, you don't want to get hung up on, you know, did the pizza get delivered? You know, was it within 30 minutes or less? You just want to get to the boning. And and I think this is the same sort of thing, you know, where, where the guy's trying to deliver his sausage pizza and... And now we're sitting here talking about the pizza and not you know, <laughs> getting to the boning. So, All right, somebody drop a contact, quick. Let's. So, <laughs> so you're really just looking. So the issue is you just want more space opera. Dude comes in, saves day. Stuff gets sonic screwdrivered. That's not a euphemism. But yeah, that that's what I want. I mean, yeah, I don't watch Doctor Who for an exploration of the human condition. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that's fair enough. I mean, uh, I, I'm in a weird place, particularly after this conversation. You're in where a very weird place. I am at all times with no pants <laughs> and not a clue. And we appreciate that. No problem. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I like the more crotchety new doctor. But yeah, particularly after this conversation, yeah, I kind of want to get whatever this conflict with Clara is. Yeah, get it out of the way and resolve it and get a new companion that is a better fit for this particular dude. Strax. I don't know who that is. He's, Strax he's is the, the Suntoran. He's the, he's the dome dude with, with the neck slit in the back. Sort okay. Potato-shaped looking guy? Yeah. Whose that... solution to everything is kill it with lasers? That yes. is my dream companion. He's actually okay. a nurse. Okay. <laughs> See, I can get behind that, but now i get behind that but bring the sexual tension back because that would be fucking <laughs> glorious that'd be all right <laughs> we'll never let it be said i'm unwilling to compromise that's acceptable to me i'm right. reminded to this so the best i think the best moment that capaldi has so far in behaving in the capacity of the doctor is at the end of flatline when he yells at the uh the three-dimensional characters that that they need to get the fuck out like that was <laughs> that's what we want to see out of the doctor could you Get get in there, some Sturm and Drang. Just get in there. That, that, that was an old school, at least as old school as I get. You know, one of the, you know, lock phasers fire from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Just a cool moment that has each one of them has at least had 
seven or eight of them. But even then, even then, I'm sorry, you wanted to say something. No, I was just scratching my nose. Oh, okay. Even then, he, you know, Clara does 95% of the heavy lifting for that character, uh, for that episode, literally, like carrying the TARDIS around. Um, finally gets the TARDIS back up and running, gives the doctor back the sonic screwdriver. He uses that to disperse them. That means the, the entire time, had she thought about it or like accidentally sneezed and hit start on the sonic screwdriver, she could have solved this whole thing. Well, yeah, but the sonic screwdriver has like 2,000 modes. The odds of her hitting the right one. It's not supposed to be a gun. They established this in the John Hurt episode. Yeah. that was. They actually... were very clear on that point. That was kind of awesome. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's a gun. <laughs> But and I actually I generally like that episode probably for the reasons that you didn't Lance I I like the idea of making somebody else have to make some of the hard choices that the doctor does and you know the first thing you do is lie to them and tell them that they're safe and but she's a teacher she should already know about how to do that (laughs) I know it's a I I know plenty of teachers who just lead their children (laughs) to their deaths. Climb that gym, gym class rope. <laughs> we'll put this one-inch flattened mat underneath you. You'll be fine when you get to the top. This mat totally won't give you a bacterial infection. Just just lie down. <laughs> the bacterial infection is the least of your problems with that impacted skull fracture. That looks like it hurts, man. What? But that was, that was one of my other issues with that episode, is, is the monster of the week was, was pointless. The, well, the monster of the week, I, I'm pretty sure it, I, I saw in AHA's Take On Me video. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, you know, hey, we're nobody knows who we are. We're just kind of here and we're going to eat some people and then we're going to go away. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> just to give you, you know, we're not going to waste any time on the monster's motivation because it's important that we have time to talk about Clara's feelings. <laughs> yeah, but uh, see, even then, uh, I disagree with you on that because I liked how early in the episode the doctor and Clara were at least trying to. To, are they trying to communicate? Let's not assume it's an invasion. Let's try and figure it out. And then once it's like, okay, this is an invasion. Hi, I'm the doctor, and I'm here to fuck your holes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But but at least the the progression of it is a certain type of doctor characterization to try to peaceably resolve the situation, and it's certainly another one that I'm just going to destroy you. Yeah, I, I I don't need a gun. I don't need a bomb, but I can mess you up. So I like the gamut of that and forcing Clara through some of it. That was an interesting way into the Doctor's character for me. But it, you're right. If if you're looking for space opera, shoot 'em up. It, yeah, those special effects were fucking abominable. They looked stupid. Well, and also you know, that, that whole moment of twenty two fifty five. It's oh come on now. It's only self serving to Clara's development. For those of us that have watched the show, even if it's only as far back as, as Eccleston or, or Tennant or, or Smith, you already know the Doctor has to make hard choices. They're shitty choices. We know this. If, if Clara is also supposed to serve as a cipher to, to get the audience to be like, oh, that would be me in there. I, would, I understand. We've already seen this in like umpteen other episodes. So for us as, as the viewer... We are getting no satisfaction out of it. It is only self-serving to Clara's development. I don't necessarily agree for the reason to bring it back to your point, Amanda, which was if they're trying like hell to keep the massive rating spike that all the little children who came in to see Matt Smith and Moon over them, 
they don't know. They've had one doctor with which to see it, and they've seen it maybe one or two times. And let's face it, Matt Smith won a hell of a lot more often than he had to make a hard choice and sacrifice anybody. You know, he would sacrifice Amy and then come back 2,000 years later and pull her out of the pod or whatever it was. Same <laughs> thing with Rory. You know, there, there was no huge sacrifice. So you got to educate newer viewers on the stuff that you and Lance maybe take for granted because you've been watching it since you were sheep fucking in, <laughs> in, in East Numfunty or whatever. The f- it was making love. <laughs> I know you tuck them hind legs in the front of your boots. Can't get away. That's good loving. Wellies. They call them wellies in England. <laughs> what? The boots or the sheep fuck? <laughs> the boots. <laughs> I called the sheep Beverly. <laughs> After Beverly Crusher. <laughs> I showed her the captain's log. No, and I think that's a certain point. That's certainly a valid point. Although in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, the kids maybe came came away with that from that with a certain like, oh, okay, I kind of get it now. But they're more worried about the fight she's going to have with Danny <laughs> now that Danny knows that she lied to him. Yeah, I'm waiting for Danny to serve some kind of purpose beyond, you know, generic boyfriend. Danny Pink, unlikely voice of reason. <laughs> uh, the one moment from him I liked was where he called the doctor out as being, you're a fucking officer. Yeah. And that I really liked. Because it makes a lot of sense with with that kind of character, particularly with what they're trying to show this season of the Doctor making difficult choices and sacrificing people. Yeah. You know, Mummy on the Orient Express was a perfect Doctor-centric example of him making those decisions. You're dead. Make it count. Tell me what you see. While at the same time, self-sacrificing in that, okay, I'm going to take on your aura, personality, whatever it is, and try and figure this out in 66 seconds. The doctor being clever. Yeah, so what you're saying of, you know, I don't need to see it from Clara's point of view. We've also seen it from the doctor's point of view. You know, part of why I like the show this season is the characterization. You know, fish sticks in custard is not characterization. No, yeah, it's, that, that's Tim Burton base level fucking whimsy, and I don't need that shit in my stoner life. Stoner food. <laughs> Suck my whimsy. <laughs> right, that's a title. <laughs> That'll get us kicked right the fuck off of iTunes. <laughs> but write it down. What's iTunes done for me today? Give me a U2 album. Fuck you. <laughs> Tuned out after the Joshua Tree. So... How how many minutes are we in at this point? Uh, 45. Jesus. Awesome. Look at us go. So I think my feeling is I'll watch it through the end of, of the next three because that'll bring us to the, I think this is one of those broken seasons where they do half up front, take a break, and then they do the other half in the f- spring or something. Seems like it, yeah. I'll, I'll make a decision. I think, honestly, I, I'll want to see the Christmas episode. I'll want to see what the potential is for for the new companion before I completely kiss it off. And like you, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I've been a long, been on the ride for you know twenty couple years now. No more than that, thirty, forty. God help me, um, <laughs> you old yeah. bastard. So old yeah, bastard. so I mean, I'll, I'll stick it out, but it's you know I really don't like the direction it's been going. All right. So there. So there. I'll keep watching it because I'm drunk on Saturday nights and it's on the TV. <laughs> I think this season is working better for me than it is, you know, for you guys. Uh, 
Well, yeah, but you have appalling taste. Not, it, it's true. But I want to see, you know, I'd like to see River show up. I, I, wanna, I would like to see no. what that looks like. No, that's the last thing we need. There's <laughs> more Alex freaking Kingston. <laughs> she knows what she did. <laughs> she, I, I saw her on Arrow. She's not looking like River Song much anymore. Oh, hell, John Barrowman's not looking much like Captain Jack. I mean, oh, okay, he's beginning I'll, to get I'll the shat that, bloat. I, I, mean, I think Alex... You know, the I mean, shat bloat. <laughs> <laughs> you know... <laughs> puffy in the face put down shat bloat <laughs> that's probably just close enough <clears throat> just close enough to not get us thrown off of itunes <laughs> but yeah I, I think this season is is more effective for me but you know jesus really is is the issue you have with alex kicks is just uh, i don't want to throw my dick in her anymore <laughs> Yeah, this is Doctor anymore. This... <laughs> was there a first time? Was I that drunk? <laughs> You're watching ER all by yourself. <laughs> but uh... but no, it's it's not a question of of whether or not I, I'd be willing to hit that. I would just on general because principle. you are a fucking gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> and I have I haven't seen a vagina. <laughs> Tell us a story about how you'd like to hit them. Probably about, about a year and a half now, it feels like. Funny story. Let me show you my armpit. All right. For the umpteenth time, I got to go. <laughs> I need an authority. Well, I mean, no, it's just her, her character of River Song just was always so smug that uh, that she just irritated the hell out of me. She was no more smug than Tennant ever was in that role, or particularly Smith. Yeah, but she wasn't pretty like Tennant. Oh, Jesus Tenet Christ. Tennant is pretty. He's pretty. I don't know. Have you seen the, uh, what's the American version? Grace Point? Grace Point. Yeah, he's... Church. Well, it was Broadchurch. Broadchurch but... was the English one. Grace Point is the exact same fucking thing, but in California, for some reason. With American accents. Yeah, he's, uh, he ain't pretty anymore. <laughs> uh, he just needs a good night's rest and a shave. He'll be fine. Uh, neither is Billy Piper. She was looking a little hard and, uh... Whatever the, Penny the day of the doctor, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, you haven't seen her in Penny Dreadful, where she she's a a, a victim of tuberculosis. <laughs> no, no, I have not. Yeah, she that she she went out hard, and it's going to come back as the uh, the bride of Frankenstein. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Penny Dreadful's a good fucking show, and that what, come, where's it on? Showtime? It's on Showtime, but when it's uh when it's on DVD, you should yeah. red box it or steal it off the internet or Netflix it something. Yeah, that's that's a fun show. All right, I'll look for it. Yeah, no characterization at all. Just there's nothing about feelings. <laughs> yes, well, just Dorian Gray throwing his cock in whatever walks by. You know, when I when I want to punish my my daughter, I make her watch. <laughs> okay. that, was, that was probably yeah. a terrible. Wow, well, you know, in a show in a show that's not known for its sex, <laughs> I, I make her watch shows about people talking about her, their feelings <laughs> no. so I'll, I'll put on you know she'll be like can i watch television i'll be like sure let's put on downton abbey for half an hour <laughs> does that show talk about feelings i've never seen it i thought it was all about let's be awful to the help or something no they, they talk about their feelings but it's always like yeah you know, lord lord chambersley showed up with his cummerbund upside down and lady abishambi has Got the vapors. And the savage neighbor boy is <laughs> savaging our sheep. And how did that make you feel? 
Well, it felt pretty good at the time. <laughs> he's got a shoebox. We wrote TARDIS on it, and he's ravishing the sheep. This is my sheep, TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside. Jeeves, no lamb tonight. <laughs> so, yeah, I make her watch that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then. I think we've so, exhausted this topic. Yeah, so let's do one of our classic shitty segues into... Constantine. The TV show where they don't talk about their feelings, they talk about the plot over and over again. Yeah. Now, the only reason we're talking about Constantine again, when the uh, the trailer leaked, we saw it on YouTube, and we did a whole episode about it back in June sometime. I would check the archives, but I'm lazy, and I'm on my third beer, so... Well, and also, um, I would... My my understanding, having read some of the Intertrons, where all of the truth is, is the the internet. Of course, um, is that both Doctor Who and John Constantine are respectively two of the um, most wanted to to be writing for characters in either television or. That was phrased beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, that was barely English. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, people want to write these characters. Like, if you Briti- are British people, wanna British want to write these write, characters. British people want to write these characters. They, you know, if they're in TV, they want to get into Doctor Who. If they, if they were in the comics industry, they wanted to write John Constantine. And what have these characters become at this point? <laughs> well, John Constantine's in Atlanta, <laughs> and not smoking. <laughs> and not smoking. That still fucking bothers me. I sit here ripping off my plastic electric cigarette. Yeah. But but part of why we want to talk about it is uh, the, the the first airing of the first episode uh, was finally uh, this past Friday. Officially yesterday. aired. Officially, yeah. Not on a scummy internet site. Um, which uh, we had seen the pilot. There was one or two key changes from that first leaked pilot to this first episode. But also, Lance is not hugely familiar or a fan of John Constantine from the comics. I saw the Keanu Reeves movie. And it's a show of <laughs> that's my... that's like re- sheep fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a show of my respect for you that you're still alive. But the Keanu Reeves movie, if you knew nothing about John Constantine, is from the comics. It, it's okay. You I know, honestly, it. it's actually an okay movie if it wasn't called Constantine. Like it if they had called it like Manny Ipschwitz or something. Manny Ipschitz, the, <laughs> the other Time Lord, the, the Manny Ipschitz, the failed exorcist, yeah, <laughs> the Manny Ipschitz, the shitsy exorcist. Then it would have been fine. I, I would have watched the hell out of that movie and bought it. Yeah. So, uh, had you read? You must have read some comics with John Constantine. Yeah, I've, I've read a few. Um, one where he he porks some girl and defiles her. You're really gonna have to be more specific. <laughs> Uh, I'll have to go back and find it. And uh, I've read uh, some Justice League Dark, and he appears in uh, those. Yep. Okay, so mostly the back in the DC Universe New 52. You haven't read any Hellblazer? Not much. I mean, a few, but it's been a while, and I I didn't do any work in preparation for this taping. That's fine. (laughs) I'm just trying to level set your knowledge of John Constantine before we talk about the tv show i'm i'm aware that he exists i know he's a magic user type guy although even that's a little vague you know someone like zatanna they're always tossing spells around constantine you don't actually see him do that much magic as a rule or at least in my limited experience yeah certainly not at the talking backwards shooting force bolts out of his hand at least not in hellblazer you've seen a little more of that in 
the Battle Constantine Wizard. book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. The Constantine comic book, he's halfway to being Harry Dresden, really. Well, you, you read you read the Tim Hunter books of magic, right? No, I don't think I have. No? Oh, no. You should rectify that. That's a good series. All right, I'll, I'll get my wrecked on. All right. <laughs> but yeah, the, the one piece of preparation you did do was, just before we came up here to tape, was we watched the broadcast pilot. So, in general, what'd you think? I, I liked it. I thought it was interesting. I thought the effects were, for the most part, pretty good. You know, I thought as a character he worked. You know, the sort of the 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 one thing that sort of struck me as odd is is in the few books I've read, Constantine is almost amoral, and and in this he seemed kind of racked by guilt, whereas the Constantine I've read doesn't seem to know what guilt is. It's up to a point. You, you get a certain amount of guilt from him in the comic books. Or if, like any good Englishman, he's repressed it down to the point where it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. It's it, He's got it, but it, it doesn't matter. He still does what he feels he needs to do, or even if what he wants to do. It's it, it doesn't let him get in the way of a good time or accomplishing what he feels like he needs to. Well, he's not in the comic books as a rule, at least pre-New 52, and even in the New 52 sitting on a rooftop whining about his dead mother. He's just not. Yeah, that, not that's... To, yeah. Spoilers on the show. <laughs> yeah, we're going to spoil the hell out of the show, but we did that back in June, so it's hardly going to be any different. But... So, yeah, the, the one big difference between the pilot that we talked about back in June and this one is they have made it very clear that Liv is gone and is not coming back. And thank God, I hated that character. She just existed to ask questions, to get exposition out of Constantine, or to spit exposition out. And and her... to provide a MacGuffin at the end of this episode now, apparently. Yeah, and <laughs> speaking about character, which clearly I care more about. I'm well, saying I... this to two English majors. I recognize that was a bullshit thing to say, but... Uh, her character boning <laughs> her character had no motivation yeah that she just you know, magic thing happened and constantine showed up and she followed along and would ask questions yeah for fur burger the the evil the evil furry <laughs> demon yeah changing it so that she doesn't come back it was oh it's beautiful and i don't care how you do oh yeah she she decided not to come back but uh she went over and did some divining <laughs> Uh, on a map, which basically is, you said it. It's like it looks like she bled all over a map. Oh, yeah, is what she, she stayed did. for she stayed for an hour and practiced the the uh, scribing that you you taught her. She stayed for an hour and bled all over a map. Yeah. <laughs> Get her to a hospital. I mean, look, <laughs> she, she bled so much. For the love of God, take her to the ER. Just help her. At least give her a cookie and a glass of orange juice. It's. But and it was so just in its own way, it kind of worked by showing Constantine. Okay, another person in his wake is I can't be around it. It's like okay, I can kind of buy it, but I did not give a shit how they got rid of her. It could have said, "I need to go. My home planet needs me." (laughs) Poochie or right the fuck out of it. That's how companions leave. So actually, yeah, (laughs) my home planet needs me. So so. 
the fact that they're willing to make changes on the fly is encouraging to me because overall, I think the pilot was okay. They got a couple of classic Constantine lines in there, and such then, as, "Oh, I'm uh, I'm a nasty piece of work. Ask anybody." You know, I'm John Constantine. I come out of the shadows, all trench coat and cigarette. Although they say arrogance because he can't smoke cigarette, <laughs> that still bothers me. At least they show him putting the cigarette out in the ashtray. But he's John Constantine. Like repeatedly, just in case. Look, I'm touching it. I'm touching it. <laughs> yeah, it's. But having John Constantine without cigarettes is having like a 9 p.m. network show. Ron Jeremy, pet groomer. <laughs> it's. It's not why I tuned in. <laughs> So and there's no hedgehogs in this show, none. Well, give it time. <laughs> I'm in the Ron Jeremy one. There's none. Oh, he's the hedgehog. But he's not because they're not going to show the hedgehog. Do you see my point? No, he's the hedgehog. It's I, not. It's pet not groomer. His, his hedgehog is not. Yeah, Dick is not the hedgehog. <laughs> he's the hedgehog because he's a hairy, awful-looking human being. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go back to talking about Del- Debbie Does Dallas? I'm not sure that we should. <laughs> But now I completely lost what the fuck I was talking about. Ron Jeremy, pet groomer. Oh. <laughs> and the hedgehog. So I just want him to smoke is all. <laughs> if I can't smoke, somebody has to. That's all I want. I feel like this is going to be an interesting conversation because you came to Doctor Who without having any background in it. So you're more willing to forgive certain things that you see in the later seasons. That's true. Whereas I know I, Lance, jump in if you want to. I have no mercy. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like, no, because continuity and an episode, blah, season, blah, this thing happened and that, that's not consistent. And ah, my lawn, get off it. Congratulations, you're a geek. <laughs> I mean, that's but, what we do. But no, but on the on the other hand, you know, Mish doesn't have the same background in or Lance. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know who that person was I was talking about. That's the name for my penis. <laughs> <laughs> Not the hedgehog. So we're clear. Letter for every inch, huh? <laughs> um, in any event, it, you didn't have the same background that, that we did to this. So I think you and I are going to be far more critical in terms of what we're picking apart than... A, re- uh, a viewer who has not read the series. There, there was a dismaying lack of, of Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> w- was he in the movie? He was in the movie. That's uh, now I like it even less. <laughs> he was he was the Chaz Chaz anal- an analogous character. Oh, that's right. Okay, because somebody has to drive the taxi. I, somebody I, has to be the Chaz. I bl- <laughs> <laughs> the Chaz stands alone. <laughs> <laughs> I blocked that out. I'm gonna block it out what you just said. But so. Uh, yeah, and I suppose that's going to be a continuing problem with with the show because you you can't. It, it comes down to the same problems that I had when Hellblazer went away, and we just had Constantine in the DC universe. It's not the same. It's sanitized. It's cleaned up. It's okay on its own merits, and I still read the book because yeah. you know, I still love the character. But it is not the same as it was in Vertigo, and this is another level further removed where it's sanitized even beyond well even in vertigo by the end it wasn't the same character as it was in its initial and i'm okay with that because one of the cool things about hellblazer was the character progressed 
you know, he didn't necessarily age in real time, but he got older and wiser and things changed about him. And I'm okay with that. You know, there are certainly, God knows, plenty of superhero comics. Eventually, I want to return to the status quo of the characters that I grew up with. I was cool with the superior Spider-Man because I knew Peter Parker would come back. So it's, all right, let's go on this tangent and check it out. And then we'll come back to what has always been. Yeah. And that, that's a certain amount of the comfort, I think, comic book fans take from their books. It's Stuff goes up to a point, and then you have to put everything back so the next guy can play with the same toys. It's a big point I made when uh, Brian Michael Bendis left the Avengers books. He made a bunch of changes in the 10-ish years in between Avengers Disassembled mm. and the very end. Just about all of them were reversed. Yeah. You know, his big things in Avengers Disassembled was he killed Hawkeye, and eventually Hawkeye came back. And during Secret Avengers, he killed the Wasp, and the Wasp was alive at the very end of his run. Eventually, everything has to go back to back so this, the next guy can play with the Sometimes same. Sometimes you have to have a Skrull invasion. and <laughs> Yeah, but it's everything has to go back. I so had one of those, but penicillin cleared it up. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's part of the comforting nature of superhero comics, but you don't want that from every single story. So I, I liked about Hellblazer. You know, I started reading it in 89 or 90. It was right yeah. around Dangerous Habits. Uh, I had a few issues from before then. But over time, Constantine changed and evolved. And I kind of like that. But it it's telling that as he changed and evolved, got married, developed a Scooby gang, they then had to put him out to pasture. Uh, it's, it's like the comment that they made on X Factor. Madrix finally gets married, he gets retired. It, it, like the industry has made this blanket decision that the second you decide that you're going to take that step and get mature, you're out of the game. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's necessarily fair. Hellblazer was selling less than 10,000 copies a month when they canceled it. And how much of that was because Milligan wasn't taking the story in a satisfying direction? I was satisfied with it. Maybe most people weren't. That's that's a legitimate argument, I suppose, but it was such a long-term character you throw a new guy on there except clearly the decision was made at editorial no we just want one john constantine because and probably because yeah we got a tv show coming out so uh, let's just make it constantine and it's just called constantine and he's almost as tv friendly as yes that's that's my monkey's uh box dvd set you have there lance take the monkey out of your hand (laughs) take thy beak from out my heart yeah (laughs) so but yeah i mean uh, this conversation is not to mourn Hellblazer as it has been mourned hundreds but of to times celebrate in it. this house. Uh, um, all right, let's get back to the actual show, though. So, Lance, what were your thoughts on the show? I liked it. Okay. What'd you like? Uh, I, well, I think I've already said that, but I, I thought <laughs> the effects were good. I thought the character of Constantine was an interesting one. Okay. You know, someone who is who is tortured with, with a knowledge that, that man was not meant to have. Okay. And, you know, who who puts his life on the line constantly for virtually no reward uh, and, and apparently has a best friend who's like Captain Jack Harkness. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I found it interesting. I, I would hang on for another couple episodes, see where it goes. From a story perspective, did you feel that it was exposition heavy? I'm, I'm curious because in terms of, of how it was structured... Did it seem it's felt that way to me, but I'm biased because I I have the background I have 
in the character. But for someone who doesn't, did it seem like it was balanced in terms of the the exposition that was given? Or did it feel like it was did it feel like it was natural to the story? Did it feel like something you you'd want to be knowing? It it felt natural to the story. The whole, you know, I am tortured over this, you know, little girl I failed to save element seemed seemed a little heavy handed. And and how he ended up in Atlanta of all places, maybe he had a bad plane connection with Delta or something. <laughs> it's 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 analogous with hell. Everybody knows that that the, the Oh, Delta is that hell. what it's supposed to be? <laughs> Well, it's Atlanta. Have you ever been at Atlanta's airport? I'm sure I have. Right there is a failure in the storytelling. If you weren't able to follow Liv Die and that he specifically went to find Liv and she just happened to be in Atlanta, that's a problem. Now, I picked it up because I've watched the fucking thing three times at this point. Oh, so he was in in England at the very beginning in that mental asylum? Yes. Yeah. Ah, okay. Ravensclaw is something that is in Ravenscar. Scar, sorry, and I'm not even drunk yet. <laughs> I should rectify that. Funny story, Ravenscar, the name of the last vagina that Lance saw. <laughs> Actually, her name was Myrtle, and she was very reasonably priced. Thank you very much. But yes, Ravenscar, the asylum is a. Uh, I forget if it's London. It's in England. Yes. I'm I'm not as familiar as the areas of London as you filthy foreigners. Uh, (laughs) I'm a U.S. citizen. I get to vote. (laughs) (laughs) I know you. I wish you wouldn't vote. (laughs) So so that was that was something that was in there. And they keep talking about Newcastle, which was something that was also in the story. It probably comes down to, like you said, Amanda, the the difference between me and Doctor Who and and Lance with, you know, we're familiar with all this stuff. So a lot of, I felt it was exposition heavy just because I, I know a lot of this shit. And you can't just cater to us, particularly not on a major network on Friday night, although I'm not sure on Friday night time slots who the fuck they're catering to. The unfuckable people who are under drinking age. <laughs> Jim Butcher the, com- the incapacitated. Jim Butcher, who writes uh, the Dresden Files series, actually made an interesting comment on Twitter because he's he's seen his own work, um, you know, be adapted for television and sort of the pains that happen with that. Uh, it, to him, it felt like they tried to take something that should have been a two-hour episode series and condensed it by a mandate into one, which is possible. I mean, we're not talking about a, a hugely known quantity. The The movie certainly did not do well. Yeah. It's a character that, except for a couple of years in the 80s and the last 18 months, has been a horror comic from a vanity imprint that sells 10,000 copies a month. Yeah. So, yeah, you're only going to give a limited amount of screen time to do it. And and that was part of the other, part of the other problem I had with it with too much exposition was I was really psyched about for the first two acts. It's like, they're really not giving him an origin. I kind of like that. He should just be there. Cause that's really what John Constantine was. He showed up in swamp thing. Yeah. He was the guy who knew stuff. You didn't know where he came from. It was just, no, I have the answers and this is what you have to do. So it felt very true to me right up until that moment on the rooftop with, Oh, my mom died. My dad used to punch me in the head. <laughs> and sometimes things do show up. I mean, that's, that's how a lot of my sores are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Go on. I don't have a response for that. <laughs> that where that. where are you going with this? 
do, do, your, do your sores speak Latin? <laughs> Will penicillin cure Constantine? No, but they ooze. <laughs> penicillin couldn't hurt Constantine, I'll tell you that. Do you have a battle wizard who's plaguing you? Try new Valtrex. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's probably going to be part of the problem that I have with this show, at least for the first few episodes, as they continue to introduce other people to this character that I know, and Amanda, you know so well. It's going to be, come on, cut to the chase. We don't need to know this. It's not important. But for new viewers, I guess it probably is. And I'm I'm willing to give it some time because again the choice to get rid of Liv it shows that they're willing to make changes and to try to improve the show. So I'm definitely going to give it a few episodes anyway. But it's also you know when it comes to Friday nights on NBC, I fucking hated Grimm first season. Grimm did nothing for me. It wasn't until it had a good year under its belt because Amanda, you were watching it and I yeah. would just read comic books. No, you would get drunk and go to bed. And read comic books there. <laughs> but but by the second season, it, okay, the groundwork has been laid, and now we can just tell stories with these characters. And then I was able to get into it. I didn't need or want all that exposition. Yeah. You know, with Grimm, it's just uh, fine. He sees the monsters, and his buddy the werewolf helps him out, and there's some banter. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, so if we can get to that point, if Constantine can hang on long enough, so that, yep, it's just these characters. That might be cool with it. Yeah, an indestructible Chaz who is not just basically a reader analog, who is just the normal dude who is stuck with this shit and trying to deal with John Constantine. You don't uh, worry that Chaz is plastic, man. <laughs> that would be kind of awesome. Like, who else could like channel that much electricity and then bounce back? <laughs> yeah. But. Well, I get a cable punched through your chest. Yeah. Yeah. That that bothered me, but you know I'm I'm going to be patient and see how they try to explain this. I'm hoping he turns out to be Captain Jack Harkness. That would be awesome. That would be so awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> you just want someone who'll just throw it into anything because you're anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is Lance's gateway in, so that he understood. This is the character I identify with. <laughs> All right. We're talking. The guy desperate to just bone something, yes. Pork me, you lunatic! <laughs> Is that a title? Should I write that down? Uh, maybe that's another iTunes trigger, but yeah, go ahead and write it. We'll see. But uh, All right, and after you're done writing that, why don't we actually talk about some comic books on this okay. comic book podcast? Now, Amanda and I are uh, fortunate in that we live around the corner from a comic book store, Uh Lance, you can only pick up books occasionally, so we tried to tailor the ones we talked about to make sure that these are brand new ones with story starts from the beginning. Plus, you're so illiterate. <laughs> the pictures were very pretty, though. I know, but functional illiteracy is no joke, kids. <laughs> it's not. It really isn't. Just get your dick out of the sheep and pick up a book, for God's sake. Reading is fucking I tried. I got paper cuts everywhere. <laughs> uh, all right, so... Which one do which one do you want to talk about first? You pick. Uh, uh let's do Deathstroke okay. first. Because I know, Amanda, you have strong opinions on it. <sighs> so yes, this is the second reboot of Deathstroke since the new fifty two. Um Deathstroke is actually the name I used for my Deathstroke? Anyway, why don't you Meet Raven Scar. <laughs> <laughs> More letters than that one. <laughs> 
Uh, so, yes, the second reboot since the new 52, uh, written and penciled by Tony Daniel. Um, second reboot? Or th- I mean, technically, when they when they dropped issue number one of its first run under, under Kyle Higgins, that was sort of a reboot. Well. And then they rebooted it, and it was Rob Liefeld. Well, with no, Rob Liefeld sad. involved, it, it definitely got a boot. And and now and now it's it's sort of the third iteration in yeah. the new Fifty Two. And technically not a reboot; it's the same Deathstroke that's been around since the beginning. Just the third kind of second <laughs> second or third interpretation of the character since since the reboot in two thousand eleven. So much much like the various historical interpretations of the character of Doctor Faust. <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> you sicken me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, Marlo Goethe. I just want rubber monsters and a redhead to chuck my cock into, but let's talk Faust. You want to get in a Chris Marlo with me? We'll go round and round, motherfucker. Please don't say you want to, because that's all I got. <laughs> His friends called him Kit Marlo, but anyway. He's no fucking friend of mine. He knows what he did. So in terms of of where I'm coming from with this book is I was excited that they were giving it another shot. Um, I liked what Kyle Higgins did with it. I kind of stopped reading it after Higgins went off the book. I read the Liefeld run to make the obligatory look, no feet, oh, too many pouches, okay, moving on. Um, Which is the law. <laughs> I, I drew a one panel comic where I pointed out that um, every time Rob Liefeld draws and writes Deathstroke, God kills a kitten. Um, I blamed it on an eight year old named Billy. Of course. <laughs> I but put it on the internet. Billy's been your scapegoat <laughs> for years and Billy's coming for revenge. <laughs> Someday. So I was really excited. What I, what I like about Deathstroke, particularly under Higgins was it, I'm, I'm going to be 43 at the end of this year. Um, I'm getting older. I feel like I'm getting better despite getting older. Deathstroke is is a, a guy who's good at his job and has only gotten better at it and is has been fighting with, you know, younger weasels that are that are trying to get in on his action, but he's still the man. And Actually Deadpool's the man. <laughs> That's a different conversation. <laughs> A different, slightly related conversation. (laughs) Oh, don't even leave Lobo out of this for right now. (laughs) Look, your your weird fascination with piping hot chimichangas has nothing to do (laughs) with what we're talking about today. Your sheep was named Chimichanga, wasn't it? (laughs) A sheep named Chimichanga. (laughs) Remember that when you're talking, so don't write it down. (laughs) Okay, so I was excited to see that uh, Daniels, this was written by Tony S. Daniels and penciled by Daniels, Daniel, yes. Daniel, sorry. Um, and I I liked that he was able to take his story and he translated it very nicely in his pencils. The layout of the story was very fluid. The action was told well. There was nothing static. He had good line work. Um, and then there's a, a reveal in the end where where all of this stuff about how you know he's he's old as he is still in the game and you know, on top of stuff, and he doesn't need technology. They, spoiler, um, turn him back into the younger version of his, his self, and I wanted to head desk. Yeah, I but kn- I couldn't because I was reading it on the toilet. I know. <laughs> That's where I do all my work. <laughs> well, I'm working something I was, in I there. I was doing some good work. <laughs> but, yeah, I knew that was going to drive you apeshit when you saw it. Because <laughs> uh, I agree with you. Higgins' early run right after the reboot w- was really kind of 
refreshing. It's yeah, older dude who is still the best and constantly trying to keep that edge with people going after him. I really liked that run, and like you, I mostly tuned out after Liefeld took over because we went from that examination of an aging professional to let me punch Lobo in the taint. <laughs> and you can't go wrong with punching Lobo in the taint, usually. Is that available in a trade? Can I get that? Lobo's the main man, despite everybody's best efforts, so you're not punching Lobo in the taint. So that was just a, a non-starter right out of the gate. Yeah. <laughs> um and I think Daniel really got the sense of that. You're, you're right. The, I only work with photographs, you know, with technology. There's always somebody trying to crack it. I work old school. I have, I work the way I do because of face-to-face professional contacts that I've made over years. And it really had that early vibe. And then suddenly, you know, oh, now I'm a young dude again. Well, and also so. they, they go out of their way to, well, actually, I'm going to stop. Lance. <laughs> yes. I'd like to include you in this conversation. What were your thoughts having read this for the first time? Well, I, I did like the fact that Deathstroke got to bone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he did. <laughs> I, I felt that that added something. Um, I like that Deathstroke is a smooth pimp who loves the pussy. <laughs> he Indeed. is. He is. Indeed. <laughs> but uh, but but like you, I, I think one of the things that I I as as a, a gentleman of of some age. You know, one of the things that I liked about the character of Deathstroke is that, you know, he's he's old. You know, he wins because he's a professional, because he knows what he's doing, because he's careful. And, you know, and for some reason to just arbitrarily flip the clock back, you know, 20 years on him just because, hey, this might be cool, seems seems foolish. Well, it feels like it felt to me like they were making a comment because all of for all of his talk of I work, um, you know, old tech, dead tech. We hacked your brain. We played this sound that only dogs and you can hear, and now you're spitting out letters and numbers like you're having some sort of spastic attack. And and so your brain, which you thought was you know your fortress because it's the oldest of tech. Nope, we we got that. So old as you are, experienced as you are, there's stuff you are not prepared for. So you need to get with the program, Grandpa. Get young. Yeah, and it. It really feels like it follows with almost everything else the new 52 has done. Yeah. Yeah, let's make everybody, everybody gets new costumes and everybody's 25. And and the only excuse I could possibly think of for why they were doing this is because they're skewing Green Arrow comic book towards what's happening in the series. And there's a younger Slade in the Green Arrow series. Shit, I didn't even think of that. But who has both eyes? He's I not think. that much younger in the series. I think he's still got both eyes. Or no, he he's lost one by. He's lost one by the second season. Yeah. Okay. But still, he's younger. He, he's not. Slade is. If, if we're going salt and pepper, he's mostly salt <laughs> at this point in the book. Whereas on the TV show, he's he's probably a distinguished thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, and if if you go before the new fifty-two, he had. Two grown children. Yeah. You know, Rose is Ravager and that fucking pile of shit Jericho. <laughs> now, now, there's another brother in there. <laughs> <laughs> the one that was Ravager first. Uh, he got killed, though. That's he was true. also an adult age child, but I yeah. just hate was Jericho. Was he punched in the taint? By Lobo? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> he was punched in the... He was doomed to die because he got every masculinity piece from Deathstroke, leaving none for Jericho. (laughs) 
that horrible. I understood all of the individual words. That <laughs> horrible purple tuniced white man afro weepy eyed douchebag. I hope he dies. How do you really wow. feel? <laughs> that is some quality venom there, man. I hate Jericho so much. <laughs> I, <laughs> really, really, we hadn't picked up on that. I have the issue in the Judas contract where... I think you secretly love him. Where they, you shut your <laughs> filthy mouth. I think you had a poster of him over your bed as a child. That's that's <laughs> utterly untrue. I, oh, but that, that page where they reveal him. What? Joseph, you're wearing a uniform. No, you're wearing a gay disco Studio 54 outfit with a jerry-curled fucking noggin. Yow. <laughs> Manu Bennett is actually um, two years older than me, who yeah. plays Slade Wilson. So, all right, our age. Yeah, but we live fast. <laughs> it's showing on it us. He looks better than me. Yeah. <laughs> he certainly reads younger than me on the on the high def TV. <laughs> well, you know, that's what happens when you make it in Hollywood. <laughs> you got the money to plaster shit on your face. But that being said, he's still probably 10 to 15 years younger on this show than I think Slade Wilson is in the comic books. Probably. But. Because, again, of the adult age children and all of that. Yeah. It, look, it's it's also an easy way to just give him that darker haired look that the dude from the TV show has. So, yeah. You know, I suppose, yeah, trying to get new readers who might wander in because they like Arrow. Again, I always go cynical marketing ploy first when I see shit like this. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to be optimistic because, okay, we spent an issue establishing Slade. Yep, he's old school. Maybe he's lost a step on the technical end because his brain was able to be hacked. But he has, in one fell swoop, he's lost 75% of his contacts and nobody's going to recognize him when they see him yeah because uh, do we really know he was just younged up it's possible he was because we've never seen him as anything but salt and pepper old slade ever since the 80s he may have been younged up and completely changed has he been depowered Anything's, yeah we don't know yet yeah <laughs> so it could be an interesting few issues of the people I relied on, I can't rely on anymore. They don't know me. They don't trust me. So my information has to come in a different way. I have to learn to work in a different way. And that could be interesting. Yeah. yeah particularly for a guy who we've established is set in his ways. And now he's got to learn new ways. It could be interesting. Or it could just be him looking at his rock hard abs in the mirror and jumping on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping on Tinder, <laughs> I, I did think the uh, you know the whole you know he's he's got to hang out with an exotic Russian beauty, a la Molotov cocktails. Was, <laughs> was a little uh, trite, but hell oh, yeah! But if you're gonna well, go, he did chucker the meat. So. <laughs> he, he didn't talk about his feelings. <laughs> he didn't talk about his feelings. <laughs> See, now I can only picture that scene from MacGruber where. <laughs> Where it goes from a beautiful spy movie sex scene, sex scene to, oh, I'm going to spurt, I'm going to spurt, I'm going to spurt. <laughs> Just plow it away. Okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I got problems. What do you... <laughs> but, but no, I'm, I'm a bad person for showing you a picture of Kissy Fur after, after we established that first fur 
was like the dumbest demon name ever. <laughs> that was a really dumb name. <laughs> it's because I don't remember when Kissy Fur aired on Saturday morning cartoons. I've blocked it out. <laughs> I don't need to be reminded of certain things. You know. <laughs> okay. I certainly never owned a Monchichi. I think it might have run that, either opposite or like after Monchichi, the animated series. Next person who says Monchichi is here from my lawyer. I never knew anything about Monchichi. What the hell is a Monchichi? Stand in front of a mirror and say it three times. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to feel like an asshole. That's what happens. <laughs> no, you're going to turn into a furry receptacle. Is what's going to happen. Turn into a, a thumb-sucking monkey is what happens. <laughs> so... So, yeah, that revealed, depending on what they do with it, this could be an interesting few issues. It's Daniel held enough to what Higgins was doing through 19 pages of the story that I'm already more intrigued than when Liefeld took it over. Yeah. So it's encouraging enough that I, I want to see what happens, what what he does with this. Well, I want to see what he what he continues to explore. I, and I'm, I'm hoping... I'm hoping that he does continue to examine this theme of what does age mean in in this context yeah because you certainly don't get a lot of that particularly in the new in most superhero comics and certainly not in the new 52 these days yeah so all right arkham manor arkham manor all right I, I gotta open this by pointing out there was a dismaying lack of boning in that one <laughs> there was <laughs> well yeah all right I, yeah, yeah that, that is a true statement. All right, so Arkham Manor 1, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, art by Sean Crystal. Uh, this is yep, the, the big issue that's been teased through uh, Future's End and Batman Eternal, where Wayne Manor is turned into an insane asylum. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so how do we feel about this? Let's talk about our feelings. <laughs> when I read this book, I'm it made spurt, me I'm feel. Spurt. <laughs> I feel there should have been more bone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it seems like once every generation in Batman, they they do some weird ass shit, like move him out of the mansion, or yeah, you know, fuck up enough pieces of Gotham, like. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, war games and no man's land and just well, even in the movie they they burned down the manor and moved him into an apartment. Yeah, so the idea of taking Wayne Manor via imminent domain to turn it into the new Arkham Asylum, number one, at least it's got the gothic look. Yeah, yeah, an Arkham Asylum that you know, is a nice institutional place with nice fluorescent lights and everything. I don't think it would work necessarily well for... No. At least visually. Well, it's it's hard to make the argument for that kind of gothic architecture in what is supposed to be 21st century America. Like, that wouldn't... <laughs> that wouldn't fly in terms of um, probably health and safety code. <laughs> yeah, well, plus in the 21st century, only a real douchebag would stick an insane person in a place with gargoyles hanging off the wall and water dripping out of the ceiling. True. This is true. But, yeah, at least the way they handle it in this book with, okay, we'll do it by eminent domain and do it quickly. How quickly they did it sort of beggared belief, only because I live in Boston and lived through the big dig for 17 years. <laughs> I, I don't fucking yeah. believe any municipal construction project could be done that quickly. True. 
You need a. Okay, just swapping beers around, folks. Pay us no mind. Um, I also liked. Uh, there was a a great moment for me, although it depends on how how much humor you want in your Batman books, where. Uh, Batman in his internal dialogue says, you know, maybe this is hitting me harder than I thought. My evening workout was a little more strenuous to work off stress. And he, Batman stops two muggers and says, ma'am, please call 911 and call an ambulance. It's like, I just had a scratch. It's like, it's the ambulance isn't for you. And then pulls him into an alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was a nice humor moment. I. I vacillate. Am I am I the the crotchety old person who's pissed that they're doing things to the DC universe that I don't see they need to do to move the story along? Am I, I am I not willing to embrace change? Am I cynical that somehow at the end of this he's going to get Wayne Manor back? So this just feels like yeah, but, a thing I'm going to suffer through until they get to the end of it. Like, yeah, but <laughs> we talked about them. We talked about Constantine. That's yeah. that's part of the nature of superhero comics. Is the status quo gets broken for a while and eventually comes back. So I, I will go with this because, yeah. of course, Batman's going to go back to Wayne Manor. Of course, he's going to go back to the Batcave. It's not going to last forever. So, all right, l- let me see what you do with this and see if it's interesting. Lance, other than the lack of boning, what did you think of it? I, I was a little thrown. I mean, I, I thought I was fairly up to date with regards to Batman, but... I don't quite understand why he's living in an apartment now, but still well, has a butler. There's there's <laughs> been a there's been a weekly series going on, Batman Eternal, um, which has addressed a lot of it, and that's a tricky. I like weekly series, but I also, you know, as someone unmarried with no kids, I, I got the disposable income. I can say, yeah, here's four bucks every week. Just keep me up on it. It's not for everybody, and if you you're unable to. You know, it's also I can walk to the comic store every week, so it's very easy for me to say, yeah, give me the weekly book. And if you're not able to do it, yeah, stuff like this might come out of left field. But, yeah, uh, Arkham Asylum has been destroyed. So that's kind of where this all came from. we got to yeah, stick the movie someplace. Wasn't it Black Mask uh, lobbed in some C4 and uh, remodeled the place? I think you're talking pre-New 52. Oh, maybe yeah. that's it. So, so for the first time in the, fi- uh, the New 52 universe, Arkham Asylum has been destroyed um in gotham city there has been a war um, from the old crime bosses to take back the status quo from the freaks and the masks oh okay and with with hush behind the whole thing pulling strings commissioner gordon's been imprisoned and framed for murder so yeah i am woefully behind well it's if you read the regular batman title you're not seeing most of this because it's once a month and it's been going on mostly in this weekly title, which is a real easy thing to to miss or just not be able to keep up on if you don't live a three-minute walk away from your comic store. But there's a lot going on in that title, and I, I'm of two minds. I think it's great that, that Snyder, Scott Snyder is writing this is doing it because it's it's a, a really you know well-fleshed-out story. Well, to, to be fair, he's co-writing it yeah. he's, he's behind a lot of the plot but uh james tinney and the fourth is writing on it there, there's a bunch of people but if 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 readers aren't pulling that weekly title then they're missing out on this whole thing that's informing all of the other bat family books <laughs> yeah so so yeah beyond being thrown by what the fuck bruce forget the rent <laughs> 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 what'd you think 
Uh, I thought it was okay. Um, yeah, the whole Batman's gonna take on a a fake identity and yeah, get himself thrown into Blackgate or Arkham or now uh, was it Wayne Asylum? <laughs> Feels a little done. Yeah, it's it was. I kind of liked the the kind of macabre sense of Alfred. Find me a body whose identify <laughs> identity I can take over. To, to get thrown into this asylum, but at the same time, what do you need a body for? You know, to have matches Malone piss on a nun or, <laughs> or, or jack I'd, I'd off outside of school. <laughs> I'd buy that episode. Now, you know, matches has some integrity. Do, God damn you. <laughs> do butt scoots on the sidewalk and scream, I can't get clean. It's not going to take much to get into Arkham and Gotham City. Just have matches do it. Frogs, frogs, I'm covered and, in and frogs. And I, I admit that that very same idea did occur to me. So, but but I kind of like the nut-cutting ruthlessness of give me somebody nobody will miss and give me his name. Yeah. The The biggest thing I had a problem with was while I liked the early scenes of Batman trying to deal with this and the, the little humor thrown into it, the whole mystery that got him in seemed very quick and not glib, but very, it was only two pages. Somebody was found dead in Wayne Asylum, and you know, he goes in and it's like, oh, it turns out that somebody else was killed. Oh, Jesus, I need to go undercover. And you can't swing a dead cat without hitting somebody who's been murdered in Arkham Asylum. This is yeah, not he, that big a deal. He, he wasn't going undercover when this shit was just happening in the old one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he, oh, it must be Tuesday. Wouldn't even make it like, late night <laughs> visits to dust for prints. It's, <laughs> was it the Joker? <laughs> shit. <laughs> Call me when it's the Joker. <laughs> and now, you know, the Batcave is still below um, this new Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Well, I thought that was maybe part of why he let it go ahead was just, yeah, cut down on travel time. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's does he really need to go undercover? He could just sort of pop up through a back door in the night. Yeah, but like, <laughs> there, there was a panel in there where he said to make sure the Batcave was secure, he filled in he had, the yeah, entire staircase with it. concrete. Yeah. So that's one way to get around it. it, it now, now that you mention it, yeah, that was pretty stupid. But then again... <laughs> In a place where the Joker's eventually going to be, you're just going to... Don't worry, nobody's going to push that clock. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm just picturing, like, he's downstairs, like, you know, working at the Bat computer, trying to solve something, and the the late night shift, figuring that nobody cares because it's Arkham Asylum, decide that they're going to have a midnight rave party, and he's just, you know, beneath the stalactites. He's, like, banging <laughs> on the ceiling. Hey! <laughs> Steve the orderly just keeps sneaking down these hidden stairs to smoke pot. <laughs> and fuck the crazy. What's that inmates. giant coin over there? <laughs> Who laced my shit, dude? So, yeah, getting to the mystery it felt a little quick. And, yeah, like I was going to say, now that you mention it, filling in that staircase with concrete, now it just sort of seems like an easy way to, oh, yeah, now you have to break in. Yeah. But even then, does he does he need to go undercover and break in? He knows the house. He says the house is so big he can get lost in it. He's got to yeah. have a window key around. Or It would be kind of funny, actually, if he, 
if they if they wanted to just sort of prove the fact and rather than have him go in undercover just have it be like and i, and I, I hesitate to make this, make this analogy but i'm going to do it anyway like secrets of the shopping mall where you, the, the premise of the story was kids living in the mall and not getting caught and and being able to pull this through after hours like just because <laughs> they knew the layout of the mall so well that they could they could hide it the manor is bigger than the mall. <laughs> well, see, now I'm going to go back to the fucking political aspect of this. So, really, the the mayor of Gotham is, is going to pull an eminent domain on the owner of Wayne Enterprises, multi-billionaire. Look, if I were the mayor of, of fucking well, Silicon Valley, I might want to take a dump in Bill Gates' pool, but I don't think I could get someone to sign the order. Clearly something happens in Batman Eternal that makes uh Bruce Wayne come off as as the mayor puts it the idiot son who loses the Wayne family fortune so he thinks he can do this with impunity. Yeah, okay. And that story's not done, so that's yeah. either something I have missed or we haven't seen yet. Yeah. That's a problem with a weekly comic. It's if you're going to make it part of continuity, you got to time everything perfectly and god knows DC hasn't been doing that recently. Yeah. And add some boning. <laughs> Always the po- <laughs> You know, there's probably a back room at the comic store. <laughs> they teach you a word called hente. <laughs> or, or just keep bucking your hips against your own zipper and go tentacles. <laughs> they'll know how to take care of you. No, at our comic book store, they'll probably mock you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're very open and, and abrasing of many things. I'm pretty sure if you come in like just asking for tentacle porn, you will get mocked. <laughs> I'm going to try that on Wednesday. <laughs> we'll report back next week, kids. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm not entirely sure how successful this issue is, particularly now that we've talked about it. It's part of why I like doing this show. Yeah. Because my opinion does get changed. Because I go whichever way the wind blows. <laughs> I basically have no courage in my convictions. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but I'm, I'm not necessarily buying almost any of the underpinnings of this story yeah and, and i remember back in the 70s in detective comics when batman lived in an apartment in gotham so that's not the problem i have with it it's yeah we'll we'll have to Feels see a little too neat yeah the reason why they had to get him out of there alfred's getting all liquored up <laughs> that was kind of awesome, actually. I wouldn't begrudge him my scotch. Actually, I might. I, not my scotch here. You, you can have the rye. <laughs> well, that's why nobody's saying, Amanda, Gotham needs you. It's, cause... <laughs> it's true. <All> Gotham needs. <laughs> More deep dicking? <laughs> it's a, it reminds me of a, a joke I saw on the internet where it, you have to name your first child Gotham. Because that way, in the middle of your night, when your wife shakes you and says, Gotham needs you, you have to get up. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think we're about done. Yeah. Oh, this has been a long show. Okay. Mostly sheep fucking jokes. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you let the fucking English in here. <laughs> All right. So, yes, Lance, thank you for being with us this evening. It was truly my pleasure. Yes. Uh yeah, I don't know where you found this episode. God only knows where on the internet it winds up. 
But uh, you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Yes. Uh, you can email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. We are on Twitter. We are. You don't remember the Twitter handle. Again. It's already built into my phone. I don't have to fucking remember shit. At Infinite Midlife. At Infinite Midlife on the Twitters. On the Twitters. Yes. Uh, we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Uh, we are... On iTunes. We are on iTunes. Until we come up with a title that finally makes them go, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> and every week we come up with at least three. So, but yeah, if you find us on iTunes, do us a favor. Throw us a review. Uh, give us a, a rating because that's the only way we have any idea of what we're doing. Is Enlighten us. Tell us. Were there, in fact, too many sheep fucking jokes tonight? You can never have too many sheep fucking jokes. Well, you know, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, otherwise English humor would die. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, God knows we entertain ourselves doing this, but eh, be nice to hear <laughs> if there's anything else we could be doing. I think you're dying, Lance. Are you dying? Ah. <laughs> Lance needs beer badly. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Can we be found anywhere else? Uh, I think that's it. Maybe jail later. <laughs> so, yes, this has been uh, the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show, episode 39. Yes. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And I'm uh, Lance. And that's Lance. No, I'm still that's here. Lance. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm yeah. relevant. <laughs> you and Clara. <laughs> yes, thank you for joining yes, us, Yes, thank Lance. you for joining us. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the ass. No, thank you for joining us. <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you for listening. And, uh, and your Sheep. circuit it killed the circuit wait did i break it yes stop touching things I'm sorry always putting your hands on everything that looks like a dick